BAM Church is starting 2018 with a 21-day fast. We expect this to be a time where God moves and works. Join us and our lead pastor, Brian Lane, as we look at why we are fasting and what we expect God to do through this fast. Good morning once again. Welcome to FAM Church. And man, has it been cold outside, hasn't it? That was kind of a low-key. What happened? You guys think it's warm? Who, who says it's warm? Okay. All right. Well, I know some of you were actually excited that it was cold. And so can I tell you something? There's states that it's like this six months out of the year. And I would like to invite you to move to those states and leave the heat here for us because this was like the longest week so far in the last five or six years because it never got warm, okay? And I was hoping that this morning, but even this morning, it's not warm enough uh, to, to heat our building up yet. And so, but yeah, go ahead, move to other states. Don't wish it happens here. There's some of us who love the heat and the warmth, okay? All right. Well, as, uh, as some of you know, if you've been around for a little bit, uh, we're starting our three-week fast today. And so, uh, first of all, if you didn't get your fast guide, they're out at FAM Connections. You can pick that up. And this is going to kind of be a, an insider message. And so, if you're new to FAM Church, uh, what, we say might, what I say might not apply to you this morning because it's going to deal with the fast that we've got coming up starting immediately after service today for the next three weeks. And, uh, and this is a topic that's hard to talk about, that's hard to discuss here in America. America. And why would I say that? Well, it's because we don't really live in a, feast, a fasting society. See, we like to eat here. We just got done with a six-week stretch, right? A six-week stretch where we literally ate everything that we could find, right? How many of you gained some weight over the last six weeks? Okay, you didn't need to slip up your hand, but thank you very much. Even I did. I know you're looking at me. I, I get that all the time. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to do something. I just... All right, so uh, somebody in the church had a baby this week. Maria McClintock had a baby. Noah John Michael McClintock, 8 pounds, 12 ounces. That's a big baby. And 21 inches long. So, um, and so, yeah, so we just want to say we're excited to the, the Rose family and Maria and John and, and the birth of their new baby boy, and boy, are they in for it now, right? Those of you who've had babies, you know what that's like. But anyways, all right, sorry. And, uh, but so we've got, you know, people, when I say I gained weight, people are always like, oh, shut up, don't tell me that, all right? And, and so, like, even during that stretch, I gained, like, nine pounds during the stretch between Thanksgiving and, uh, and, uh, and the end of the year. And, uh, you know, we all then get into the new year, and our thoughts are what? I'm going to go on a diet, right? And I'm going to lose the weight that I gained over the last six weeks, or for some of us, it's six months. It started back, you know, maybe even last January. But what happens is we live in this country where we always try and find reasons to eat, and so we don't have much time between Christmas, New Year's, and the Super Bowl. We get four weeks, and then what happens when that four weeks comes? Man, we got Super Bowl parties to go to, right? We got food to eat, and we eat all of this good stuff, and we say to ourselves, dang, that stuff tasted good, and this diet stuff ain't so good. And so we get off of our diet, we get off and we get back on eating, and we eat, and we eat, and we eat our way through the year, right? And, uh, and part of the deal with eating that we have to know is that 
when we eat in the wrong way, God does, in fact, define that as a sin. But you know what? That's never preached about on a Sunday morning. Why do you think that is? Because most of the church world, we're ready to dig in and eat and eat and eat and eat, right? That's one of those things. We don't want to talk about it because we all do it. It's called gluttony. And there's a connection, though, between gluttony and fasting, and the connection comes from the effects that they have on us. What do I mean by that? Eating. Eating what we want, when we want, and how much we want, it makes us feel good, right? It satisfies our body. It boosts our sugar level. It gives us vitamins and minerals to survive. It makes us happy and gives us energy. But on the opposite side, fasting does not make us feel good at all. It doesn't boost our energy level. It doesn't give us vitamins. It doesn't give us sugar. It does not give us energy. Instead, fasting has us say no to something that we really, really want. And in fact, it's something that we really, really need to do, and that is eat. See, fasting comes in. It makes us deny our bodies something that it really, really wants. Now, in saying all this, I may have jumped ahead of myself because some of you may be saying to yourself, well, what is fasting in the first place? And so let's define that. Fasting is a deliberate and prolonged abstinence from something as a means to taking control of your physical body and humbling yourself before God. Now, in the Bible, whenever they fasted, they always fasted food, okay? And on rare occasions, they fasted food and drink, Okay, and that's the way it was. And in the Old Testament, there was one day prescribed for the nation of Israel where they, in fact, had to go out and fast for that day. It was the Day of Atonement. It was found in the Law of Moses. If you're not familiar with that, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, There were times when the nation, the priests or the kings, would call for the nation to fast when they were facing an imminent threat or danger, but there was only this one day where they were called out and they were asked to actually fast as a part of their day, as a part of their life, as a part of normal practice. But even if you move forward and and fast forward into the New Testament, you find fasting when you enter into the New Testament as well. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he has this conversation. Somebody comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, why don't your followers fast? And and he gives them this, um, um, he, he, he has a discussion with them in Matthew 6, 16 through 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you don't know where any of this is at, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen behind me. But this is what uh, Jesus uh, says as part of this discourse on fasting in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What I want to focus in on here is what Jesus says. He says to his, what he says to the people who are listening to him, he says, when you fast. See, he doesn't tell them if you fast, when you get around to it, or if you feel like it, or if it's something you feel motivated to do. He says to the people who are listening, he says, when you fast. And so the first question for us becomes, if we are followers of Jesus, if we follow Christ, and uh, we got to look at ourselves and ask the question, do we fast? 
Because as a follower of Christ, it's a when question and not an if question. So we're going to explore fasting this morning because here's what I believe. I believe that FAM Church is sitting on the edge of God doing something big in 2018. I believe that we are sitting there waiting for something to happen, that God is getting ready to break through and do something incredible. And part of the process of getting to the place where this church can push through and break through all of the boundaries is us fasting. And you may be saying to yourself, well, why fast? Isn't there something else that we can do that would be much more pleasurable and enjoyable in life than fasting? Well, here's the deal with a fast. It has two purposes. Okay, the first purpose is to deny ourselves. Oh, uh-oh. Denying yourselves is about saying no to the things that you want, to the things that you desire, and instead focusing on a purpose and goal that is bigger than the world that you are living in. But see, self-denial is a big, tough sell in this world today, isn't it? We're told not to deny ourselves. All you have to do is watch TV for 10 minutes and come across a couple of TV commercials, and they'll make sure that you know that you are missing out on everything if you deny yourself. If you deny yourself the newest smartphone, if you deny yourself the newest TV, the this, the that, the other thing, it'll let you know that you are missing out. And I know that some people, when they hear the word deny themselves, think that the person who's saying it has to have mental issues because no sane person would go out and do that, right? Because it goes against what feels good. This is another huge issue because we've been taught if it feels good, it must be good. And if it feels bad, it must be bad. But there are lots of things that would feel good that are not good, correct? There's lots of things in life that would feel good but not be good. But see, Jesus calls his followers to live a life of self-denial. In Mark uh, chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says to those who follow after him, they must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow him. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, then denying yourself has to be a part of who you are. We must be willing to say no to ourselves, no to our own comfort, no to our own ease in order to tap in to what God has for us. I mean, Jesus did it. That's the story of who Jesus is. If I were to tell his story in another way, it would maybe make more sense to you. Let's, let's, picture, let's put ourselves in this world, okay? Let's put ourselves in a place where we had access to everything that we could possibly want in this life. You had billions of dollars in your bank account. You had the largest home that you could think of. 20,000 square feet, 18 bedrooms, 12 bathrooms. You don't care. It's just the two of you. Big deal. You can pay someone to clean that mess, right? Okay? Um, You've got your own airplane, whatever car you want. Man, Dana and I were driving on I-75 yesterday, and there was this orange Lamborghini driving next to us. Man, that was a nice-looking car. So if anyone's looking for something to get me, orange Lamborghini would be sweet, all right? But anyway... um, You could drive whatever car you wanted. You eat whatever. You you just do. Your life is whatever you want. The best. Everything that this world has to offer is at your feet. You spend your days doing whatever you wanted to do. 
Then one day, someone comes to you and says, hey, I got this deal for you. Give that all up. Give it all up. I want you to go live in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Those of you who don't know anything about Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, it's a very difficult place to live in. And you're going to live in a pallet house. Everybody knows what a pallet is, right? That's going to be your walls. That's going to be your ceiling. That's going to be your roof with no running water, no electricity, and dirt floors. You're not going to have the cars. You're not going to have the cash. You're not going to have the airplane. You're not going to have any of that. How many of us would make the trade? There'd be no sane person in the world. You guys aren't sane. That's all I'm saying, okay? There'd no, be no sane person in the world who would make that trade, right? I wouldn't. Certainly not. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus was living in a perfect place. In heaven, he came to this earth, and he did it so that we could be connected to God. He sacrificed all of that stuff that he had to come to this earth, and then he says, look, as followers of mine, this is what I want from you. I want you to follow my example of living a life of sacrifice. But there's a reason for it. He just doesn't ask us to do it just for the heck of it. You see, when we deny ourselves, it's a place where we can access the power of God. See, many times the way that God moves or he doesn't move in the way we think that he should is because we get in the way of what God wants to do. See, I wish that I had time to run through all of the places just in the Bible, but we could go into people's personal lives and, and look at all of the times that people have denied themselves and, and, and gone after God, and God has done great, incredible, and mighty things. But we don't have time to go through it. It would probably take the whole year, and we wouldn't even come close to completing it. But here's what I can do. I can run through the list of people who have not denied themselves, just given in to whatever they wanted to do and done great things for God. There's not a single person on that list. Paul, if you're familiar with who he is, the guy that wrote half the New Testament, he lived this out. I mean, you look at his life and it was just one crazy self-denial after another. I mean, he went through so many crazy things. And that's the kind of example. Now, we don't have to go out there and get shipwrecked and spend two weeks adrift at sea and all these other kind of crazy things that Paul did and say, now I'm sacrificing. But we have to be willing to look at ourselves and look at our lives and say, hey, I got to do something here to release the power of God in my life and in my situation. And so that's the first purpose of the fast. The second purpose of a fast is to seek God. It's about removing some things and replacing them with time with Jesus in our life. And I think that all of us who are followers of Christ can relate to losing that passion, losing that fire for Jesus, right? We've had times where we're just, it feels like we're going through the motions. We're just in church because we're supposed to be. We're just doing things because we think we're supposed to be doing them. We don't have any passion. We don't have any fire. We don't have anything there. And when we live in a world that's constantly bombarding us with a message that's opposite from the gospel, it can take its toll on us. It removes the appetite that we have for Jesus. 
But what fasting allows us to do is to focus our life in, to spend some time with him, focused on him, denying ourselves, and it allow, allows us to rekindle that fire, rekindle that passion, rekindle all of that inside of us, and bring back the presence of Jesus into our life and our situation. It helps to remove the chains of monotony and spiritual boredom, and it opens the doors to see God do something completely new and radical in our life. And for Fam Church and where we are at, I think those things are very important, okay? Those two things. We need more of us saying, you know what? I need to deny myself because myself is getting in the way of what Jesus wants to do. And I also think that we as a church really need to seek God right now because I said, as I said, I believe that we are on the edge of something, that God has something in 2018 in store for our church. We're on the edge of a breakthrough. And to see God push through and really do something, we as a church need to do more than just show up on Sunday mornings. We need to do more than live the same life we've been living. All right, so this morning I'm going to briefly look at three fasts and see how those fasts relate to what we are doing in 2018. We're going to start with Nehemiah 1, verses 1 through 4. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Um, this is what it says. It says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. All right, so here's what was going on. The city of Jerusalem had been completely leveled by the Babylonians about 80 years before that. The Babylonian army had come in, knocked down all the walls of the city, burned everything to the ground. The city was just a giant pile of rubble. They'd taken a lot of people back to Babylon captive. Well, now here we are 80 years later, and uh, there was, uh, the Babylonians had been defeated by the, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire, and uh, Darius, the, the king of the Medes, had, had released the Jews to go back to the land that they had come from. And when they got back there... They got to the city that was burned, that was destroyed, that was leveled, and people got to the city and they looked at it. And guess what seeing their city completely destroyed did to them? It completely sucked their energy, their life, their passion for anything. They were back in Babylon crying for their homeland, saying, man, we can't get wait, wait to get back to Jerusalem. But when they arrive in Jerusalem and see the rubble, it just instantly sucks the life out of them. So instead of them going into their city and saying, let's rebuild this thing, let's get moving for, forward and let's get this city back to where it was, they just go in and they just start to build on top of the rubble. There wasn't even enough passion to clear the rubble out of the city. They just moved the rubble around and built houses with the rubble. And Nehemiah was concerned because the rubble sat there each and every single day as a reminder to them. As a reminder that they were defeated, that they were weak, and they were powerless. And Nehemiah said, that's not the way God's people are supposed to be. That's not the attitude they're supposed to have in their heart. They should know that they are full of power, that they are full of might as long as God is going with them. And so Nehemiah stopped and he fasted for four days. And here we are thousands of years later and I believe we are standing almost in the same spot as Nehemiah was. 
See, because Fam Church has not seen the victories that we had seen in the past. Some of you had been here 15, 20 years ago when, when Pastor Dan was here and the church was doing incredible things and now you look at it and you say, what has happened? The people are gone. It seems like so many things keep attacking and tearing down uh, everything that God is trying to do here. And just even, even in the last year, you know, we, it seemed like things were moving forward. Then we have the hurricane happen and the hurricane exposed all, all kinds of water damage on the back of the building and we know it's in other places. And so, you know, the thought at least running through my head was like, what's going on? It seems like every time the church takes a step forward, there's something there to push the church backwards. But that's not God's plan and purpose for our church. It's not to take one step forward and two steps back. One step forward and two steps back. God wants us to push through. He wants us to look beyond the rubble, look beyond the destruction, and know that there's great and mighty and awesome things in store for the church. But what we've got to do is we've got to take up our responsibility, deny ourselves, and fast and pray. We need to break through this. We need to break through to a point where God is moving and working, where we are seeing victory instead of defeat. We can't be down and depressed about what has not been happening. We need to be excited because of what God is about to do. And the best way for this to happen in us is to deny ourselves for a period of time, focus on God, and pray and fast. And then we will see the breakthrough. See, Nehemiah fasted and prayed so that God would move on behalf of his people in Jerusalem, and we need to do the same here. The second place I want to go is a book called Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and this is what it says. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for, for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. All right, so here we have Jesus. He has not yet begun what is called his public ministry. Okay, that was the time where he, he started telling people that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the one who came to save people from their sins, okay? He had uh, he'd not mentioned this, but he was getting ready to reveal himself, to make himself public, to, to begin his earthly ministry. And so what does it say he did? It says that before he started that ministry, he headed out into the desert and he fasted for 40 days. Now, I'm not calling all of you not to eat for 40 days because that's what Jesus did in this case. If you want to, you are more than welcome to. Um, but uh, before he began ministry, he went out and fasted. He knew that he needed to be prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in order to get that preparation, he knew that he had to go out and deny himself, his, his, his flesh, his desire to eat, so that God could use him in incredible and powerful and mighty ways in the ministry that he was about to be involved in. And so the second reason we are fasting at the start of the new year is because we are getting ready to launch in to another year of ministry here at Fam Church. And we need to be prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit because the eternal destinies of people are at stake with everything that we do. 
And I mean everything that we do. There is nothing here that is unimportant to God. If you're part of the First Impressions team, you need to be empowered with the presence of God to do what God is calling you to do. If you're part of our kids' ministry, our rangers, our girls' ministry, worship team, youth ministry, and I could go on and on, but every single one of them needs the power and the presence of God moving and working in them. And the best way to do that at the start of a new year is to call a fast and take some time and to pray for the these ministries of the church because our ministries matter. We want our ministries to make a difference. We want our ministries to be about life change. We want our ministries to do something to ha- that has an eternal impact in people's lives. And so because of that, we fast. Then the third place I want to go this morning is uh, the Old Testament book of Isaiah 58, verse 6. Isaiah is what's called a prophet. A prophet was someone that God used to communicate his message to the Jews and the world. Sometimes it involved telling of future events, but many times a prophet spoke to the world uh, about current, the current time and situation. And that's what Isaiah chapter 58 uh, is all about. It's a word from God to the people of Israel concerning their fast, concerning their current situation. They were fasting because of some of the crazy stuff that was happening in their land. They were hoping that in fasting that God would come and move on their behalf. But they wanted God to move and work without them changing anything about what they were doing, about how they were living. And God says, listen, it doesn't work like that. I'm going to come and you just want to fast and pray and I'm going to bail you out of your situation. You need more from your fast. And that's what 58 is about what God wants from their fast. We're going to look at verse 6 in chapter 58, but there's much more to this than verse 6. So let's read it. And it says this, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. See, God was telling the Israelites, you know what? Fasting is also not about you. Fasting It's about looking around at the people that you see, the people that you know, the lives that you know that are bound up, that are held down, that are being destroyed and taking some time fasting and praying and asking God to do something supernatural and bring breakthrough to those situations and to those people. And so that's the third reason that we are fasting here in the new year is to see God come and break through in people's lives and situations and circumstances that we can see. It's whether it's the person that you encounter when you're at Walmart, when you're grocery shopping, or at Publix, or maybe it's somebody that you're a coworker with, or, or a friend at school, teenagers, uh, so anybody that, that you come in contact with, that you look at, that you can see, that you notice that they are held up, that they are bound up, that they, that they have something controlling their lives. This is the time to fast and to pray for them and their situation to ask God to come and to move and to work and to bring breakthrough in their lives. God wants to set them free. But many times, people that need to be set free, they need us to do something more and just say, oh man, I hope that happens. I hope you get that in your life. It involves us making some sacrifices to see that happen and to see that go down in their lives. And so in closing, we're about to embark on this fast for three weeks, and so I want to issue a challenge to FAM Church. 
That challenge is to not make this fast something easy, something simple, something that, oh yeah, I won't miss that. Not a big deal. But to have this be something that for the next three weeks, you say, you know what, I'm going to do something that's going to cause me to really have to deny myself, to make a sacrifice, because I want to see greater things happen. I want to see greater things happen in my brother or my sister or my mom or my dad or my neighbor or my friend. They're bound up. They've got a disease that doesn't seem to have anything happening and they they seem to be getting worse. Whatever, Whatever the situation is, and sit back and say, you know what, God, I could take the easy road. I could fast whatever. Name something easy. I don't want to throw something easy out there because if you're choosing to fast it, then you'll get mad at me for saying it. But I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and I'm going to do something that challenges me, that pushes me, so that we can see victory so that we can see God do something great in 2018, so that we can see lives changed, so that we can see hope restored, so that we can see passion and power poured back into this church to make a difference in our community, with our friends, with our family, at our jobs, and every place else we're going to be. And so our closing this morning is simple. I'm just going to ask if you're with me in this for this 21-day fast, I just want you to come to the front And what I'm going to do is we're going to pray a prayer of commissioning over everybody who's going to do this. And don't come up here because of any other reason other than you really want to take the challenge. You're really going to step out. You're really going to say, you know what, this year I'm going to do what I can to push forward, to break through, and to see God do great things. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.